You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. Hey everybody, welcome to Nowhere to Run. Thank you for tuning into the show. Today I've got an interview with a guy named Kurt Hensey. Him and his wife Mary Jo came to our church not too long ago to teach us about disaster relief. And they are just a great team. They do great work all around the country. They are full-time missionaries. He'll talk a little bit about that. But I wanted to have them on the show first that you can hear a little bit about disaster relief in general and what happens if it comes to your area, just some tips and things like that. But also, if you're interested at all about disaster relief or um, you know, starting something in your church or being prepared in in a, in a more thorough way with disaster relief, I think this um, interview will be helpful for you. Also, to see the types of ministry that happens when you do things like disaster relief. So he is a really great guy. You'll see that right right away. And if you've got any questions or you want to get in contact with him for any reason, you can go to my website, which is nowheretorunradio.com. Or you can go directly to his his website, which is reliefministriesccsarasota.com. But either way, uh, here is the interview with Kurt. I guess a little bit of my history as far as a Christian comes. I came to know the Lord about 20 or so years ago um, and uh, had a background in the restaurant business and in the construction business uh, two different times in my life. And uh, uh, back uh, in uh, 2004, Hurricane Charlie. Uh, came through uh, our area and uh, our missions pastor and myself said, Hey, we need to, to go do something to help these people. And we actually had a uh, family from our church that lived in that area that we couldn't get a hold of. And we says, Well, let's go see if we can find them and help them. And since we're going, you know, let's just take a bunch of supplies in and see if we can, you know, figure out something to do with all of those. And, and uh, we did that, uh, that, the, the first time we went in, we did not find the people we were looking for, but we did find some things to do and some places to drop things off. And, and that kind of sparked my uh, my interest in disaster relief. Um, I think it was the following year we had like a, a two-month period where uh, we were either preparing for, uh, waiting through, or cleaning up after um, uh, a hurricane in almost, almost consistently every week for two months. And and um, so that kind of got us thinking about a few uh, few other things, and we kind of became what you what you might call a weekend warrior set of guys, and me and my wife and family, and uh, uh, where we would just uh, take any time and chance that we had uh, that we weren't uh, working or doing other things, and uh, would go around and help people out who'd been hit by disasters. And uh, some things changed in my uh, employment. I had a, a really good steady job for a while. The Lord led me in a different direction. And I think it was about six, seven months into my new job, the uh, division I was in shut down. And uh, within six months after that, I was out of a job and upset with God. And, you know, why did you bring me over here? And, and uh, I got a family to support and I got things I want to do. And I had a great job and you brought me over here and now I don't have a job. And just, it was like, some different opportunities presented themselves for me employment-wise, but none of them that involved me being near my kids or my family and were making the money I needed and, 
there's 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 something wrong with everything that came up that I, I it was a dead end everywhere and uh, not too long or while that was going on uh, there were some tornadoes that came through Lake County a couple hours north of us here in Florida and uh, so I said well let's put a team together and let's go up there and see if we can help people and uh, so we started doing that and we ended up for over two months going up every weekend plus some um, and uh, helping those people out and in, in the midst of doing all that God started talking to me and saying this is what I want you to do this is what I want you to do and I'm like okay God I'm doing it I'm here you know I'm doing it and it was it was a, it was you know I kept hearing from him do it and I kept saying well I don't understand this is what I'm doing and and so I was talking to my mission pastor about it. And he goes, well, we just kind of need to, to pray about how God wants you to do this. And and uh, so about, I don't know, a month and a half into going up there, we were working with another ministry that was uh, doing disaster relief that was based out of Tennessee. And uh, the guy who was running the show there said, my supervisor, uh, the guy who runs the ministry, is actually coming to town next week. And he specifically asked that I – set up a meeting with you, with him, uh, next Thursday, you think you can make it? And I said, sure. And so I made the trip up there and had no idea what I'd done wrong this time. <laughs> and I uh, uh, got up there and uh, didn't even know the guy. I'd never met him before, at least not to my recollection. And uh, the meeting was all, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And he basically said, the Lord told me that I need to, uh, 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 share with you that he wants you to be in disaster relief full time. And I just wanted to let you know that I'd love to help you in that and anything I can do <clears throat> to help facilitate that, uh, to help move you forward. Uh, just please let us know what we can do to help out. So that was kind of a, uh, an awakening to me because it was something I wasn't really thinking about or how it was going to happen. And so that's how we got our start. And I guess the rest, as they say, is history. Mm. Um, can you tell us uh, briefly maybe a little bit about what you do, uh, your, your ministry, your mission statement, that kind of thing? Hey, um, we we kind of have a, uh, uh, I don't know if you call it a three- or four-fold ministry statement. I mean, ob the obvious thing is, you know, we, we provide uh, physical and spiritual relief as Jesus' hands and feet to a hurting world after natural disasters. And uh, that's the, the stuff that's going on on the surface, the stuff that everybody sees and you, know, you can take pictures of and you can send back and, and uh, that kind of stuff. But but really what we're all about, and it's kind of interesting, just came from a, a pastor's conference uh, over in Merritt Island this week, and uh, I think it was Bob Coy said, uh, you know, Get that, get, boil your ministry down to one sentence and then take it down to two words. And my wife and I are sitting there and we're like, wow, what is it? What is it? What is it? And finally he said, okay, it's to make disciples. I guess that's three words. And, and I said, wow. And that's exactly what we tell people all the time. Where we are really, I don't know if you'd say in the business of making disciples. Of course, making disciples begins with, you know, with God raising up new believers, and then we, we take it from there, but we certainly do what we can to provide that opportunity. And so everything we do is focused around how can we better make disciples. And uh, God has used this platform of disaster relief uh, to allow that to happen. And, and it's simple stuff as in our team. You know, we do devotions 
we try to do devotions twice a day. Sometimes we get just so tired we don't make the evening one or, you know, we go to church or something like that, which is understandable and, and we don't do our own personal devotions or group devotions, I should say. Um, but we always invite the community and when we're doing it, I've held church services out and destroyed yard, you know, houses, yards on Sunday mornings. Um, we, uh, and of course we have opportunity when we do disaster relief and when you walk up to somebody's house has been damaged or trees or flooded or whatever the case may be and you can say, hey, we, we've come here to help you and we're going to do this for free. I don't even have to say, and can we tell you about Jesus? They ask us, well, why would you do that? And then we say, wow, because Jesus sent us. And it, and it opens up that, that right away ministry conversation. Uh, with them and you know obviously with as it, as it is with everybody else some people just want the tree off their roof uh, and some people right away are interested in what Jesus is all about and some of them as we work for however long we're there and they see Jesus in us it, it, it causes them to want to know more about who this Jesus is hmm. that called us to come to their home maybe if you could take some time about that you know describe some ways that you can minister to people spiritually and maybe give a few examples of that happening All right, i mean you know first and foremost when when we go to minister it involves just praying with people and and you know i don't need to to quote verses to people and say well god has promised to work all things out for your good you know if someone's a believer you know what we already know that if they're not a believer they would have no idea even what that meant um, so a lot of it involves, you know, just just being there for people, taking the time to listen to what they have to say. Um, and and obviously on our end with the uh, uh, with the actual relief part of it is, you know, we have, we have to gain their trust and the understanding. So when it comes to, well, you know, what should we do? How should we do it? So, you know, we're, we're listening to them. We're trying to give them advice on the, the physical stuff. And as we, as these conversations develop, basically what you're developing is you're developing a relationship with these people. And, uh, so as that, as we spend that time with them, then we can say, well, you know, there are obvious things you can pray with for people. You know, their house was destroyed. The tree fell on the roof and there's a hole in it. The, whatever the case may be as far as the specific event that happened in their life, uh, to their family or property. Um, but as you develop that relationship, sometimes you find things out like, yeah, and, uh, you know, my daughter, I haven't talked to her. You know, they, people start to realize when they go through things like that, some, some more important things in their life than, you know, my TV set fell off the table and broke and I need a new TV. They start realizing that they have relationships that are broken uh, or, you know, uh, my, our, my health is really bad. So it gives us more opportunity to, to specifically pray with people while we're there as we're sharing with them, you know, just being there with them and listening to them. And, uh, and then it can go on to specifically talking to them about the Lord. Um, we always try to work with a local church. Uh, and uh, we try to find a church that, you know, has the same tenets of the faith as us. If we can't, we just prefer uh, not to have a church involved at all. Unfortunately, and that does happen sometimes, but, um, uh, we want to make sure because when we leave, there's a remnant there that we need to be able to direct these people to. And we, with the local church, we don't require anything of them except for that they, uh, they allow us to say that we're working with them and we want to let the homeowners know that someone from the church will come back and follow up on them, will contact them, 
and uh, just to, to help them in any other way they can with our goal always being, again, discipleship. And uh, we've had some people that have started going to church services before that have gotten there, you know, fallen away from the Lord and gotten back with them. Some have gotten saved. We've had people who are working with us uh, get saved. Um, and uh, you know, that's part of that discipleship. Uh, it, it must really impact people to see you working and, you know, working hard and not really wanting anything. Just the, the love, you know, probably draws them to something different about you guys. It, it is. And, and, you know, the one thing is that anybody can do what we do. It doesn't take anybody special to cut a tree down. It doesn't take anybody special to clean up mud out of a house. And there's a lot of people who do what we do who aren't believers. Um, there's a lot of other uh, religions and, and people that do this stuff. And and, and they have uh, a lot of people do they have ulterior motives. Um, we try to not have we we do have an ulterior motive. But we're like top secret agents. Nobody knows that you, you, you find out by watching us and by asking us questions. We're not there shoving it at you like a lot of them do. And some people just do it because it makes them feel good. And, you know, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I told you that it doesn't make me feel good to help people out because it certainly does. And, um, but it makes me feel even better when they ask me questions about the Lord. I get a chance to share with them, pray with them. I get to direct them to a, a local church body who I, no, we'll follow up with them. Uh, we hand out Bibles and tracts and worship CDs and, and, and people genuinely, genuinely want that kind of stuff. Um, when, uh, uh, all that kind of stuff happens, um, I can think of, we were up in uh, North Carolina and, uh, there was a, a guy and his wife and they had a tree on their roof and, and, uh, you know, a good, bunch of good old boys sitting there on a porch, you know, and they're just talking and stuff. And, and the guy had a broken ankle, which was right before the storm happened. And he's probably in his uh, late fifties, early sixties. And you know, he's up there trying to get this tree off and patch the roof. And, and, and we offered to, to come help him. And of course he thought there was a gimmick. And when he finally, we earned his trust more or less by helping one of his neighbors. And he came up to me like the second day I was working in his neighborhood. He says, quit shoving that book down my throat. I'm thinking, I didn't talk to you, but <laughs> the whole time I've been here. And, uh, and, and, and I, he was talking about, we were living it out and he saw that. And, uh, what has happened from that? And I don't know how much he goes to the church and all that stuff. Uh, his wife was a believer and was going to church. He was not, I don't believe he's a believer. And, uh, um, but he started going to the church, the Calvary Chapel Jacksonville up there. And I know they've been there at least twice because they've been there twice with me. And, and I told his wife, well, what about your church? She says, I don't care what church we go to as long as he's going to church. And <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. Another lady in that, in that same uh, area, we, uh, had traveled quite a ways out from where our central location was and, uh, to do a job that we've been called to come do. And it happened to be raining that day pretty hard back in the area where we were working. And I had more work to do over there, but I wasn't too thrilled about going and working in the pouring down rain. So I says, well, we're out here and it's sunny. Why don't we look around and see if we can find some more work to do? And so I took off in the van, left everybody with the truck and trailer, and, and a couple of us guys went around looking, and we drove around. For, it had to be close to half an hour. And every house we went to, no, we don't need help, or there was nobody there. And, you know, it was just like one shutdown after the other. And I said, you know what? 
I guess we're getting wet today. And the Lord just said, just go one block further. And so I did. And we found this little old lady and her driveway was completely blocked with a tree. And there was a couple trees down in the backyard, a couple more in the front. And, and I'm knocking on the door and I can see her in the house, but she's not answering the door. She didn't have who I was. She wasn't going to answer that door. She didn't know what to think. And uh, my persistence got her to finally come answer the door. And, and uh, she was on the phone. I know she was doing it for a, a safety reason. And, and I explained to her who we were and what we were. And she was like, oh, my gosh. She goes, I have been praying to the Lord about what am I going to do about this mess in my yard. And she just just had no idea. And it, and it turns out that this uh, uh, the lady I was talking to, um, it wasn't her house. It was her mom's house. It wasn't there at the time. Her mom was a believer. The daughter was not walking with the Lord. The mom came home, saw, you know, 20 of us walking around cleaning up her yard. and was just ecstatic and and then shared with us that, you know, my daughter's not walking with the Lord, all this stuff. And, and a very nice old Pentecostal lady, and she's praising the Lord and praying with <laughs> us. It's just a blessing to, to share in that situation with her. That's funny. Um Let's uh, talk a little bit about um, uh, disasters and disaster relief in uh, general. Um, read a recent study that said uh, I was talking about these mega disasters like the tsunamis. It said the it concluded saying the scale, frequency, and severity of rapid onset humanitarian disasters will continue to grow in the coming years and an, at an accelerating pace. So. Uh, do you feel in your experience that disasters like this are increasing or what would you say just about the, the general um, frequency and severity of disasters? Well, it's kind of hard to tell, to be honest with you. For one of the things that we have is, you know, media. In media, they if there's nothing better going on, they seem to make things worse sometimes than what they are. And we have access to so much more information now than we did, you know, even 10 years ago. And so, so it's hard for me to say, you know, I, I, I keep very, very busy in disaster relief and, 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 but I don't see the whole world. And, and to be honest with you, I, I don't even have time to pay attention to the whole world as much as I'd like to. Um, but what I do know is what God's word says. And God's word says that in the end times that things like that, earthquakes, fires, famines, et cetera, are going to happen more and more frequently. And that's the sign of the, you know, the, the, the Lord called them birth pains. And so for us to sit around as, as Christian believers and try to ignore the fact, no matter what science wants to say, you know, the reports are done and all that, for us to ignore what the Bible says, that this is what's going to happen. And it's clear if you look at a biblical timeline that we are, you know, our, we learned in the, one thing we learned in the pastor's conference is that our eyes are blessed. Because we are seeing biblical prophecy fulfilled as we sit here right here right now today. And, and, and as we see that, hey, we are in the end times. Well, this is what the Lord said is going to happen in the end times. We need to be ready. And, and it's, it's all things that are opportunities to, to, to serve the Lord and, and to bring the believers in. So, so yes, I, there, are there going to be more? I honestly believe so. I, 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 I don't pray for disasters. I pray against them. But the reality of fact is, is that they're going to be here no matter, you know, it's just like us trying to pray for peace in the world. There's going to be peace in the world one day because God's coming back to reign here, you know, and until then it's not going to happen. 
And uh, so the same thing with disasters. There's going to be disasters in the world until God comes back, and then there's a new heaven and a new earth. So what do I need to do? I need to get ready. We need to, uh, you know, try to spark more interest in in what we do and get more Christians involved. Um, there are other agencies out, other religions. For instance, we went to uh, Athens in Tennessee last year uh, to do tornado relief. I couldn't make it there right away because of a prior commitment. I got there, I believe it was about a week and a half after the storm hit. And I found out that the first weekend, a thousand Mormons descended on this tiny little area the first weekend. Now, they did do a little bit of disaster relief because if they wouldn't do it, they wouldn't let them in the area. But I'm thinking, wow, a thousand Mormons. And their only goal there is to let people know that, that you know, the Mormon religion is what's going to, you know, save you. Uh, Muslims have disaster relief now. I read articles from a newspaper in um, Alabama that got hit by those same tornadoes that got in Tennessee and people were praising the Mormons or not, sorry, not the Mormons, the Muslims. They were praising the Muslims and saying, these are great people and they have great hearts and they really don't, they don't want to harm us. They want to help us. And well, I've read the Quran. I haven't read the Quran totally through, but I know enough about it that that's not what they're about. And, you know, they want to destroy Christians. They want to destroy what God is trying to do in this world. And, uh, but, you know, hey, they throw a couple tarps on a roof and, and they're good people. And, and as Christians, as believers, you know, uh, some churches don't do mission work at all. I don't understand that. And, and some of them solely focus on, you know, they, yeah, they preach on Sunday mornings and they send missionaries to Haiti and Brazil and Africa and all that, which is great. Uh, we need people training. Uh, local people in those other countries to to be raised up to spread the word. But but what are we doing when we're clearly taught in God's word of what's going to happen in the end times? What are we as a church body doing to help the people when those doors, like I said, they're open? I don't even have to ask them, you know. I mean, yeah, I say, hey, is it okay if I pray with you? But only because I've already built that relationship where I know they're going to say yes. Hmm. Well, what kind of things, I mean, we're going to see people that are listening to this all over the world, all over uh, the country are going to actually be in situations where they're going, their their neighborhoods, their their towns are going to be hit by major disasters. What kind of tips can you give those people, those Christians in the aftermath of disasters in their communities? Well, the first thing is, is, is no matter where you live, no matter what you do, a disaster can happen anywhere. And if, and if, and if only one house gets destroyed, it's a disaster for that person. You know, it might not get government attention. It might not get news attention, but that one person, that one family, that one block, that one city, town, whatever that's affected, it, 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 it's a problem for them. And, and in some way, shape or form, we all need to be prepared and have a plan that, okay, if something does happen, can I be prepared? Because if I'm not prepared, I call it a double negative. If, if I'm prepared for something that hits my area, uh, whatever that may be, and I'm not a doomsday person, I'm not walking around saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, but what if it does? And, and what, what is my plan going to be make, going to be when that happens? And if I don't have a plan and everything is falling apart, well, now somebody has to come help me. And if I at least have a basic plan about, you know, in my family, hey, family, this is what we're going to do. If something ever happens, this is our, this is our plan. You know, I don't need to go over it. We're going to, you know, we're going to throw a ladder out the window and climb down and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, how are we going to communicate? Where do we keep our valuables at? What are the most important things to you that you want to make sure that are, that are all together? And, and, and then just to have some kind of, you know, maybe it's a generator. 
that I keep up and, 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 you know, I keep, you know, we, we, you know, I, I don't need to have my refrigerator doesn't need to be bare. I can keep food. I'm going to eat it sooner or later anyways. Just little things like that. First aid kit, stuff like that. And then if something happens, now I don't have to have someone come take care of me. In turn, I can do a double positive and go help somebody else. My next door neighbor, friends, family, whatever the case may be. Um, now, if I live in an area that's prone to disasters, such as we live in Florida, we have hurricanes, um, tornadoes. There are certain places they call Tornado Alley, where you, you know in history has proven there's been tornadoes. You might live in a f- place where there's floods. And, and again, quite honestly, disasters can hit anywhere. But in those areas, for us to sit back and say, yeah, well, there hasn't been a hurricane in the last two years. There's not going to be one. Well, talk to those people that lived up in Louisiana when Katrina came through and there never hadn't been a hurricane up there for years. You know, they, they didn't even leave. And, and, you know, has my area been hit by a hurricane recently? No, but it doesn't mean that I'm not ready if one comes. Hmm. Uh, what are some of the ways, like in that midst of a, uh, of a disaster, there's a lot of probably dynamics and leadership and all the kinds of stuff that goes on. What some ways to make that run orderly more smoothly? Well, just like everything else in our life, God is a God of order. And I believe that he has, you know, he, he wants us to act in the, in the same way or fashion. And, and part of it comes with being, being prepared. And, and, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to, to get out to the different churches and, and organizations that I, that I come across is you're, you're in an area and let, let's say you're a pastor of a church and, and you might be blessed and you don't, you know, your full time work is your ministry and you have your family. And, and, you know, there's some churches where they're not as blessed and the pastor's full time pastor, full time blacksmith or electrician or whatever. And, and then still has his family now disaster. Hits. And when disasters hit churches, you know, I, we don't have a church because we don't have compassionate hearts. I don't care what religion you are or, or, or what your tenets of the faith are. You, a lot of the stuff reason we do what we do is because, hey, we care about people. And, and people know that, and then they turn to the church. And so now the, the church says, wow, there's a disaster. i got to take off these five other hats I wear, and I have to become disaster pastor now. I have to become the people that are going to do all these things, facilitate all these things. And uh, the honest question of that is, yes, you can do that. I, I don't know how effective you would be at that. You might become really effective at that and then not very effective at taking care of your job, your ministry, and your family while you're doing the other stuff. But that's part of that preparedness thing. You know, just like if I'm the pastor, I'm not doing the counseling and teaching Sunday school and leading worship and cleaning the bathrooms and, and doing all that stuff. Well, have somebody in your church that's willing to take that responsibility on and willing to oversee that. And it may be a mission pastor. It may be, you know, somebody else that already has a couple hats. You know, at least have some kind of idea. And, and then involve people like us. I am not the only person. We are not the only ministry that does what we do. Um, there are some really huge organizations out there, um, and they do a great job. Um, they're not going to come in and concern themselves with the well-being of, of, of your church and, and try to do stuff like that. Uh, they work on a more grander scale of things. And, yes, people will be taken care of in your area and neighborhood with them and, and things of that sort. But, uh, but the more personal touch comes from the smaller ministries like ours and the networking and things that we do. And, and what, uh, what we like to do is help people understand what they can do to be prepared, how they can get some involvement with their church, 
And maybe they want to have their own ministry like we have, and they go around and do what we do on their own. That's great. I I can't do everything. I can't be at every disaster that there is. Um, but maybe there's, you know, they have a large group of people, and they say, no, we just want to come hang out with you guys and do what you do with what you guys do. And that's great. That's a blessing. Or maybe there's only a couple people that want to get involved, and they can send them out to, to help people like us or, you know, other people, other ministries that are like us. Um, and, and, and then also to know that, hey, when a disaster hits your area, let someone like us come in. We don't want to run your church. You know, if you ask me to speak on Sunday morning, I'll be happy to share the word with whoever wants to share it. But I'm not there to pastor your church. I'm there to be the nuts and bolts to facilitate, to take care of all, all the logistics, the legalities, you know, the kinds of paperwork that needs filled out, what needs done, you know, for as far as the, the teams are concerned, find places for people to stay, you know, line up meals, um, showers, you know, the work and all that stuff, bring in the truck and the trailer and the tools and all that kind of stuff and just put all that together and bring people from around the country to your area and say, okay, now we're going to help you. And yeah, we want the local church to help. People People have construction background and they they have time to come help us, you know, put a roof on a house, praise the Lord, come on out and join us. And like I said, people have gotten saved while they've helped us. And, and, and just to be Jesus, you know, with the way we work, the way we do things, everything is orderly when, when I'm doing stuff. You know, uh, the dictionary has a long definition for the word disaster. I have a one word definition for the word disaster. It's chaos. And there's tons of chaos, no matter how much we try to avoid it in every area of our life. Now there's a disaster. There's going to be chaos. But what we need to know is, is that we can, not be totally chaotic, chaotic in the midst of the chaos. That we can be orderly. We can do things in a certain way. We work as unto the Lord. And I'm not interested in doing 50 houses. If I do 50 houses, praise the Lord. If I do one house, praise the Lord. But every one of those houses will be done to the best of the ability, the pot, best possible way it can be. And I'm not trying to brag on myself, but what I do know is when we go into an area, we leave friends. And we and, and people look at what we do and they say, we'd have never thought to do that. You guys have gone the extra mile. You've made sure we feel safe now that we can put drywall back up on our walls because all the mold's gone, that we can get up on our roof because it, 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 it's structurally it's sound, that the tree came off and got hauled away the right way, you know. And, and, and so we have the experience and the know-how to do that kind of stuff, let us come in and help you, and not just us, but other groups like us, uh, help you to support you, to be be the, the wind under your sails, uh, as Moses had um, Aaron and her, I think it was, lifted up his arms. That's what we want to do with the local church body when you're affected by a disaster. Mm. And, you know, helping with that, sort of bringing order to that, um, people – in the neighborhoods, et cetera, they, they tend to come together. There's a lot of camaraderie and things that go on there. Um, can you speak to that and maybe is it, can it go the other way? Is there a lot of uh, anger that can develop or do you just see it the other way? You know, I, I've, I've seen it both ways. Um, it, it, it depends on where you go and uh, everybody's a little bit different. You know, we all have a little bit, di- you know, you have different cultures in different countries, but you also have a lot of different cultures, I've found out, just traveling around the United States. And, you know, some people are, live in neighborhoods, and they might have lived there their whole life. And, you know, like, for instance, we were up in Appleton, Tennessee. My goodness, everybody knew everybody. 
I mean, they're, they're, we were the new kids on the block. These people had lived there their whole lives. And yeah, people had moved away. There weren't too many people moving there, you know, to start their lives. And, and, uh, so those people, you know, they, they pulled together, they helped each other, you know, as much as they can and as much as what they could do, you know, but you still have the people, no matter where you go, you have loners, you have people that are out there. And, and a lot of people get that Superman mentality that I can do, especially us men. I can do anything and I can do everything and, uh, and they don't want any help. And especially we're always the outsider. And that's, that's another reason why I like working with the local church body because I can go in, like, for instance, we were up in Jacksonville, North Carolina and I'm like, hi, you know, we are working alongside Calvary Chapel, Jacksonville. They've asked us to come up here and help you folks out, you know, get that tree off of your roof. And you, know, you give them a little local, flavor there but you know like versus jacksonville it's a transient town it's a it's a marine base and camp lejeune and there's a lot of people that come and go so they don't have time to make friends you know they don't know anybody so they you know you you, you see some neighborly stuff and and at the same time you know not to you know we know how wicked and evil the world is um i can tell you stories about people stealing stuff looting you know um, falsifying documents to get uh uh, aid and things like that, and that just upsets me. <laughs> you know, that's like Jesus with the in the temple when everybody was ripping off all the all the people wanting to do sacrifices. Man, here these people are in dire needs, and I've been in places where someone went to Home Depot and 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 bought a fifty dollar tarp and went to neighborhoods and and said, "Hey, you know, we can tarp your roof for you, five hundred bucks," and they pull out a fifty dollar tarp out of their truck literally toss it over the house and go down the road to the next one. You know, the, the people don't know. They've never been affected by a disaster before. And these people are not the people that get there before me or the people that live there. You know, they're not people that traveled 500 miles to come rip people off. That does happen as time goes off. But these are their neighbors, the people that live in their town. And I see that time and time again. Hmm. Um, so what's a typical day for your team in the field? It's a long day. Um, you know, one, we, we have the model that we will accept anybody on our team. Uh, now if, if, if I've had to send people home because you don't want to do what you want to do, but, but you have to do what we do when we do it, but you don't necessarily have to work as hard as us. So, so we get up in the morning and breakfast is typically, uh, six or so. And we expect you to be at breakfast with your daily devotions already done. Your, your personal time with the Lord, uh, you know, you're ready to go, uh, go to work. And then we eat our breakfast and take a little bit of break after that, about a half hour for breakfast. And, uh, and then we hit up a Bible study and our, our, again, discipleship being our main focus, we will spend an hour to an hour and a half every morning in the word of God as a group. And uh, I teach verse by verse through a book in the Bible. It's an interactive Bible study. Um, we get a lot of people. I work with some different men's ministries uh, that uh, some guys are right off the streets that are coming to help us out and new believers and and just different people from different churches and different areas, uh, you know, that that uh, just come out and uh, have a lot of questions about the word of God. And so we like to take the time and work through it. And, and my only rule in a Bible study is if it isn't in the Bible, you are not allowed to say it. <laughs> if you can find it in the Bible, I always, I always want to learn something new, but your, your ideas and your thoughts and your feelings, uh, are, are, you know, that's, that's not the time during a Bible study. And, uh, from there we, uh, we head out. We, we break for lunch, but we don't leave for lunch. And lunch is, 
brought to us. We either take it with us and pack lunches in the morning or somebody brings it out with us. Um, you know, we, we try to stay as productive as we can. We're there for a short time. It's a sacrifice. It's not easy to, to go do disaster relief, no matter what you do. Even if all you do is, is I, I guess, even if what you are doing, not all you do, even what you're doing is picking up trash, you know, it, it, it's, it's time consuming. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And, uh, and we want to be as productive as we can while we're there. We have a, I don't, I have no more fun in my life than what I'm doing, what the Lord wants me to do in this particular stage of my life. It's disaster relief and it's hard work, but we have a great time doing it, but we're not there to sightsee. We're not there. Oh, we're in Tennessee. Why don't we go spend a couple of days in the mountains and go hiking? No, that's not why we're there. We're there to help these people out. And you want to come spend a week with me and then go spend a week in the mountains, have a blast. You know, but that's not what we are here for. And then after lunch, it's a, you know, we're right back at it in the afternoon. And, uh, the, the, the time that we end at the end of the day can vary, um, depending on the weather, depending on the time of year. Obviously, if it's winter and we're doing winter storms, we're going to be done about four or five o'clock in the afternoon. But if it's, if it's summer and we got daylight, we might finish up at six, seven o'clock in the evening. Uh, we go back, we get cleaned up, uh, dinner, and then we spend time in the word again as a group. Um, a debriefing kind of time. I, I like to call on people in the group to share what is the Lord telling you what are you learning what 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 you know, what what'd you learn in your devotions today on your personal time what'd you learn out here in the field today where'd you see jesus at today and the things that you were doing and uh, and then it's time to go to bed because we're going to do it all over again tomorrow and and while i while i say that we have this it, it sounds like a hard schedule it's a long schedule everybody has their own pace i require you to get up when we get up finish when we finish but, hey, if you have to sit down every 15 minutes for a five-minute break, sit down every 15 minutes and take a five-minute break. If you can work two hours straight through without taking a break, then do it. But but I required – you didn't come here to go spend the day at the mall. You're not going to – you know, obviously people get sick, things happen. Yeah, you're going to stay back at camp, and that's the way that goes. Um, but you need to be out with the team in some way, shape, or form ministering to your the best of your ability. One thing I like about uh, you guys, as opposed to maybe like the Samaritan's Purse or whatever, is some of the, the the ways that you choose where to go and things like that. Can you speak briefly on that? Yeah, you know, we're not out to get in glory. Uh, everything we do, we want to draw attention and glory to Jesus and not to us. We we tend to. I mean, I've been I've had television, newspaper, radio crews come out. And you mean you know we've made the front page, we've made the nightly news, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't look. For for that, I don't mind when it happens because it helps get the word out for people who need help. Um, and that's the only reason why I do that because we make sure that people know what we're there for, what we're doing. And if you want to help in the efforts or if you need help, it's just another way to get it out. But we try to, to, to go to those places and I, I don't want to say I look for them, but I kind of do. I, I try to go where the Lord wants me to go and he takes us to those places where nobody else is typically. Um, it, it, you know, there's, there's a huge, Disaster hits and, uh, you know, for instance, I'll use Joplin, Tennessee as an example. Everybody, wa- I mean, sorry, Missouri. Everybody wanted to go to Joplin, Missouri. And I was like, well, you know, you're in South Carolina and we're in Tennessee. Isn't that like closer for you? You know, and well, what's, what's going on in Tennessee? I haven't heard anything about it. Well, can, if you take my word for it, 
I got there's there's so many trees here. I'll be I could be here for a year and not finish doing what needs done here. And then the rebirth kind of thing, you know. It, there were floods over in Daytona area what a couple of years back, and this guy answered an email and says, "Wow, awesome! I want to come help you." He lived in the Naples area, and uh, he called me back later that day. He says, "You know, I've been searching everywhere on the internet, watching news. There's no flood in Daytona." I'm like, okay, whatever you think. Well, why would I go there? There's no flood there. We were there for almost three weeks. And, you know, we were, we were in, in uh, uh, Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana after Hurricane Gustav came through and, and these people contacted me and they came through and, and, uh, you know, they were, everybody's looking for the big Katrina, by the way. That's the thing. Katrina kind of really, Cause a lot of problems in disaster relief. It caused a lot of scammers to learn how to do this stuff. It caused a, a lot of ministries to spring up that were not interested in discipleship. They were interested in numbers and, and, you know, hey, we can make money off of this. Like we can get a couple directorships going and some nice shiny vehicles to drive around. And, you know, they, yeah, were they doing good to some extent? Yes. But, but, uh, um, and then they, everybody has a picture of this is what disaster looks like. And if it doesn't look like that, there's no disaster. And, and, you know, we're sitting here in Louisiana and, and this guy was supposed to meet me and he never showed up. And I got back to the camp and we actually were at a, at a camp where we were housing some people who were displaced from the storm and some women and children were there where the men went out and worked that day. And I said, Hey, you know, by chance did somebody show up? Because I'd left them to tell me. He goes, yeah, they came. He said he'd talk to you later. I said, great. And he called me up later. He goes, yeah, you know, we've moved on to, uh, down the road. Uh, there's just nothing to do. And I said, well, did you come, didn't you come by where I was? He goes, yeah. I said, well, I said, dude, I can do a 360 degree circle and I see nothing but destruction. Where the heck were you today? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't. It's not like it was in Katrina. And I just said, you know what, dude, I got to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the tools um, that people, uh, both both in in what you guys have developed and how you developed that over the of the years, and also for the people that are going to be dealing with it in their communities um, with just a small group that they put together in a time of need. What kind of stuff would they need? Well, we're always evolving with, uh, with the trucks and the tools and all that and, and, uh, changing things and, and, you know, I, I'm always open to learn things and, and find out different, better, more efficient ways to do things. And when we first started out, you know, we were a bunch of, you know, like I said, weekend warriors and we just brought together the tools that we already had in our basements, in our attics, in our you know, work trucks, in our garages, whatever, just, just basic tools. And, and, and just the, the heart that, hey, we want to do something. We want to make a difference. You know, it, it, yeah, it might be easier if I had this one particular little tool here to do it. I can get something done in five minutes and then I'll take me 15 minutes because I don't have that specialty tool, but that's okay. You know, when the Lord wants me to have that specialty tool, you know, I'll have it. So we just, we just started making like a, a mental list, I guess I say, of who was willing to help, what their skill sets were. And what tools did they have? You know, I might, I might know how to cut a tree down with a chainsaw, but I don't have one. Well, then I find out this guy over here, well, he's got a couple chainsaws and he can't travel, but hey, I'm willing to let you use my chainsaws. You know, so you, you, you start developing these information things and it really starts from getting in front of your congregation on a Sunday morning and letting somebody talk for, you know, 10 minutes about what this program is. And it's not real program ministry, I guess it is. And, 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 uh, and get everybody interested. In, and, and you explain them, look, you might not be able to be the guy that goes and cuts that tree down, 
but maybe you have a chainsaw that you can loan to somebody who can. And, and, and we still have tools in our arsenal that were not purchased with relief funds that were, uh, you know, I, I can, you know, borrowed from, from other people and they're, they're, they don't want them back and, and my own personal tools and stuff like that. And when we respond, I tell people, look, what do we need to bring? And I say, well, you know, obviously your Bible, that's the most important tool and your toiletries, you know, bedding and stuff like that. But beyond that, you know, is there some, do you have a tool bag or some a specific little toolbox or something that you say, man, every time I go to help somebody out, you know, I go to my in-laws and I do some maintenance. Or I'm doing, I always want this one particular set of tool stuff. If you have the room, bring it with you. It isn't going to hurt. And, uh, um, and then as you, as you grow in the ministry, as, as you raise funds, as the Lord provides, and, 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 and a lot of our stuff that we've come to know that we need, I, I might not have known existed or didn't realize it would work in this situation or forgot it existed or, or whatever. And, and as I'm doing stuff, I'm like, wow, if I had this, it would make it better. And I have a list on the back of my trailer. And it's a clipboard with a sheet on it, and I write it on that list. And maybe I make it to Lowe's that week, and I can pick that up if I have some extra funds because I'm going to need it. Or maybe the next couple months, I, you know, I, I pick it up. And then, or we'll work be working with another ministry or another set of guys, and they come down with some stuff, and they say, "Wow, have you seen this?" I'm like, "Oh, wow, yeah, you know, Lord, forgive me, I don't want to covet this or anything, but I, but I'm putting that on my list. I'm not going to take his." But I want one like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you talk a little bit about um, maybe some future plans for Relief Ministries and what is your what are your greatest needs um, and those kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, going forward, we we want to uh, we are already full time in the ministry um, at this time, and the Lord does provide for our needs. And right now, the way He's provided most of our needs is through me still working full time. So, so that in that prohibits what we would really like to be doing moving forward with the ministry is, is to realistically be. You know, I, I'm not a lazy guy. I don't mind working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Um, I would just rather be doing that all on the ministry side of things instead of out installing TVs in people's houses. Um, and uh, and so so. For what we can do when we can do it with the ministry is, is things like this, going to churches. We read a, a pastor's conference this week, like I mentioned, and, and we set up a, a little display table and tried to talk to pastors and, and ministry leaders from different churches just to spread the word about people like us exist. And everybody knows Samaritan's Purse. Everybody knows that they know they exist and, and they have a kind of an idea of, of what they can do. But we are totally different from Samaritan's Purse in, in how we do things, especially with our involvement with the local church body and with the individual, which is what our, again, that's where the, that's what Jesus did. He worked in on, you know, he worked with 12 people. Um, and uh, Lord bless those that work with the thousands. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to be like Jesus and work with the, with the few and really pour my life into them. And, and so, we need to let people know that, hey, we're out here. We we want to help you. And this is what we can do to, again, be Aaron and her to Moses, uh, to be just to be the support for for the churches. And then if you have people that want to be involved in your churches, your neighborhoods, your groups, whatever it is that you are uh, involved with, um, then maybe we can help you form a team. 
you know, like what we've tried to, you know, do with you guys at your church and, and, uh, um, and, and maybe you guys are going to form a team and do your own thing or your, your team becomes part of our team and our, or I guess I should say our network. Uh, we want to network more churches. You know, there, there are a lot of religions and even good Christian religions that have huge disaster relief teams. And what I see out there and some people might hate me for saying that everybody's into numbers. They're in the numbers and, I, and with these bigger groups. And, and you know, they, it, it's expensive to do what they do on the scale that they do it, and they and they need money. And if they're only going to work on one house, they're not going to get a lot of money. If they work on 100 houses, they're going to get a lot of money. You know, and, and do I want to work on 100 houses? When the Lord wants me to work on 100 houses, I'll do it. We, we, we want to give people the ability to know, okay, a lot of people want to do what we do. But they've been to places like especially to Katrina and they were shut down or it wasn't what, you know, it was a lot of red tape to go through and wasn't exactly what they thought it was going to be. And we want to let people know that there is a way to do this, to do it what I consider God's way, which is orderly, uh, which is working as unto the Lord, um, not too concerned with, with, with numbers, but more with personal relationships. Yeah, I want to finish a job and move on to the next one. There's a lot of people that need help. Um, and the more help we have, the more time we can also spend with people ministering. Um, and just to, just to give them a way that, hey, there's something going on. And this is how I can now get involved, whether as a group of people or as an individual, you know, and what we do is, you know, we have a network of people on our email list and we send out an email. We say, okay, Hurricane Irene is coming up the Atlantic coast and uh, we're looking at uh, being somewhere in North Carolina. We're taking off on Friday. If you have the, if you live in the area, if you have needs, please contact us. If you live in the area, you want to come help, contact us. If you live out wherever you are and you can get some time off and you can, you know, somehow get to where we're at and spend some time, let me know. When we get in, we'll set up, do all again the logistics side of things, and and we'll 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 do what we can do to get places to stay. You know, line up how we're going to do the meals, the showers, get get any government stuff out of the way that has to be taken care of. Find the local church to hook up with. Get the ministry side of things rolling. Um, find start lining up the work that we need to do. You know, we bring in the truck and the trailer and the tools that 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 can do what we need to do, and then that way we're we're educating, we're informing those churches and ministries that have a heart to reach people right here in our good old United States and share the gospel with them. Um, we have a website, uh, calvaryrelief.com, and so you can just go there, and then on the home page on the left, there's some tabs with all kinds of different things you can click on to find out more information about us, things we've done, uh, what we're doing. There's a contact us tab on there, and you can go to there, and from there you can navigate over, well, I guess just scroll down, uh, kind of, and it says the first thing on there says sign up for a free newsletter, and it's an email newsletter. I guess I should probably re- reword that so that people know that. And then what we do, like I mentioned with uh, Hurricane Irene, is is we send out an email uh, when um, something's going on, and then you contact us back and say, hey, I want to help, and we tell you how to do that. On our contact page is is our mailing address, uh, our cell phone numbers, uh, church information. Um, we're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. Uh, we um, our uh, uh, Facebook page. 
Uh, we have a blog. I mean, just about any way you can think of communicate to people, we do that as much as we can. But the biggest way that we contact people through things is through our email. But again, at, at calvaryrelief.com, uh, you'll be directed to our webpage. Click on the contact us link and everything you would need to know about us is there.